Stay up to date and engage with the financial world. You're listening to the Wall Street Millennial Podcast. One of the biggest unintended consequences of the Federal Reserve's rate hiking cycle this year has been the appreciation of the U.S. dollar. As interest rates in the U.S. rise, U.S. Treasury bonds and all U.S. dollar-denominated assets become more attractive to foreign investors. Foreigners exchange their local currencies for U.S. dollars to take advantage of the higher yields. This creates excess demand, which pushes the price of the U.S. dollar up. Because of this, the actions of the Federal Reserve have repercussions for economies all over the world. The single most impacted major country so far has been Japan, which may be headed towards a currency crisis. Since the beginning of 2021, the Japanese yen has depreciated by more than 40%, going from about 100 yen per dollar to 145 today. This is the weakest the currency has ever been since the mid-1980s. The situation has gotten so bad that this September, the country's central bank did an emergency intervention to buy $20 billion of their own currency on the open market. This is the largest currency intervention that they have done in more than 20 years. Consumer price inflation, which has consistently been below the central bank's 2% for the past two decades, has finally started to increase. In August, the inflation rate hit 3%. This is tame compared to the 10% inflation that we're seeing in the US or Europe, but it's the highest rate the island nation has had since 1991. In the 1970s and 1980s, Japan's economy grew rapidly as they reindustrialized after World War II. They pioneered factory automation and remain a leader in the field to this day. The economy was booming, the stock market was soaring. Most economists expected Japan to overtake the U.S. as the world's largest economy by the turn of the millennium. Ordinary Japanese people and institutions alike started pouring their newfound wealth into the stock and real estate markets, causing a massive asset price bubble. You might have heard the quote that in 1980, the value of the imperial palace and surrounding estate in Tokyo was far greater than the real estate in California combined. Of course, the imperial palace was never for sale. This calculation was done by extrapolating the price per square meter of much smaller real estate transactions in the most expensive areas in the central business district. But regardless, the stock and property markets had become obscenely overvalued. In 1989, the bubble finally burst, with real estate prices falling by more than 80%, causing a painful recession. At the same time, birth rates have been decreasing for various social and cultural reasons. The lack of new births, along with increased life expectancy, has led to a rapidly aging population and a decline in the working age population. Because of the unfavorable demographic trends, the economy has stagnated and to this day has not recovered to its peak value 30 years ago. In an attempt to kickstart growth, the Bank of Japan has pursued perhaps the most extreme monetary policy regime in human history. Since 2010, they have implemented multiple quantitative easing programs worth about 600 trillion yen, or 4 trillion US dollars in total. This is equal to roughly 80% of their GDP. In 2016, they even went so far as to adopt negative interest rates. Commercial banks would have to pay a 0.01% annual fee for excess reserves that they held at the central bank. The idea was that this would entice Main Street banks to start lending to the private sector, if for no other reason than to avoid the negative interest rates they are charged on their reserves. They also started printing money to buy stocks on the Tokyo Stock Exchange. By 2018, they'd become the top 10 shareholder in 40% of listed companies. The idea was to pump up share prices, which will convince companies to increase business investment. It was a Hail Mary attempt to get the economy growing. 
Despite printing trillions of dollars, the economy continued to stagnate and the inflation rate remained below the 2% target. In fact, it briefly dipped into negative territory in 2016. So how is this possible? It's one thing for the central bank to print money. It's another thing for this to end up in the hands of everyday people who can actually spend it. Remember that Japan is facing a declining population. It has declined by about 2 million since its peak in 2008. This isn't too dramatic for a company with over 120 million inhabitants. However, the truly dire nature of the demographic situation is masked by the fact that life expectancy is increasing. For the past few decades, the fact that people are living longer has offset most of the impact of lower birth rates. The working age population has declined by 12 million, or almost 15% since its peak. And this has had some weird economic consequences. When interest rates decrease, it becomes easier for people to borrow money to buy a new home, for example. This will increase home prices and spur new construction, which is stimulative to the economy. If a corporation has a higher stock price and lower interest rates for its bonds, this makes it easier for them to raise capital to build new factories, or otherwise expand their business operations. The problem is, with a declining population, very few capital-intensive projects are financially viable, no matter how low interest rates are. It is estimated that there are 7.5 million abandoned homes in Japan, making up about 13% of the total housing stock. There are simply not enough people to live in the houses. You can buy perfectly functioning houses in rural areas for as little as $500. In fact, some small towns give away homes for free and go on marketing campaigns all over the country to try to get people to move there. Of course, in big cities like Tokyo and Kobe, real estate prices are still high. But these cities have already been built up, so there's little to no demand for new construction. Similarly, if a company wanted to build a new factory, they wouldn't be able to hire any new workers as the working age population is shrinking rapidly. No matter how high your share price is, or how cheaply you can borrow money, it doesn't make sense to expand. The central bank can print as many trillions of yen as it wants, but it all ends up sitting in bank vaults, doing nothing to increase inflation or economic growth. While inflation has remained stubbornly low for decades, it has finally increased to 3% in August of this year. This is the fastest pace of consumer price increases since 2014. The problem is, inflation is rising all for the wrong reasons. Besides their economic stagflation, another major problem that Japan is facing is its extreme reliance on foreign energy imports. There is almost no extractable oil or natural gas, so they have historically relied almost completely on imports to fulfill their energy needs. In the late 20th century, they invested heavily in nuclear power plants in an attempt to reduce their dependence on foreign supply. After the Fukushima nuclear power disaster of 2011, they closed down all of their power plants for safety concerns. They eventually reopened some of them, but it's still less than one-fifth of what they had prior to the incident. The lack of nuclear energy has made them even more reliant on natural gas, which now makes up close to half of their total energy consumption. In total, the country imports 93% of its total energy consumption, with most of this being in the form of liquefied natural gas. The price of liquefied natural gas has increased to more than five times its normal levels this year. This is the result of increased demand from Europe after the shutoff of the Nord Stream pipeline, as well as the underinvestment during the pandemic. As a major energy importer, this has increased Japan's trade deficit and put pressure on their currency. And this takes us to the issue of the currency crisis. The Japanese yen has depreciated by more than 40% over the past two years. A depreciation of the currency is not always a bad thing for the economy. In the past, the Bank of Japan has actually intervened in the foreign exchange markets to manipulate the value of the yen downwards. There are two main effects of currency depreciation. 
Firstly, goods imported from abroad become more expensive, which reduces consumer demand. Secondly, goods made in the country become much cheaper to foreigners, which increases exports. With Japan being an export driven economy, the second effect usually dominates, so the government often wants the currency to be weaker to boost the export sector. This chart shows Japan's balance of trade as well as the currency exchange rate versus the US dollar over the past 30 years. Typically, the two are inversely correlated. For example, when the currency appreciated significantly in 2013, this caused a massive trade deficit. When the currency depreciated in 2016, they had a massive trade surplus. However, this trend was broken in 2022. Despite a massive depreciation of the yen, the trade deficit is on track to hit a record high of almost $150 billion. This is largely due to the increased cost of energy imports. Japanese companies and households are forced to convert more and more currency into US dollars to pay for their increasing energy import bills, which is putting downward pressure on the currency. Also, the high cost of energy and other imported raw materials is decreasing the competitiveness of the manufacturing sector. This offsets the benefit that they get from the depreciation. Another factor weighing on the currency is the Federal Reserve's rate hikes. The Bank of Japan has not increased its interest rates because inflation is still low. The increasing interest rate differential makes US bonds and other financial assets more attractive compared to their Japanese counterparts, causing net currency outflows. In an attempt to stop the decline of the yen, The Bank of Japan spent 20 billion of its US dollar reserves in September to buy yen on the open market. This is the largest intervention they've done in more than 20 years. But it's little more than a rounding error compared to the size of the economy and did little to reverse the yen's decline. The Bank of Japan has $1.3 trillion of US dollar reserves, so they could theoretically spend a lot more than the $20 billion to shore up their currency. The problem is, the vast majority of those reserves are held in US Treasury bonds. If they start dumping their treasury bill holdings in more significant quantities, this will cause US bond yields to rise even further, thus increasing their interest rate differential. This would offset much, if not all, of the benefit to the yen. The only way to strengthen the currency would be to increase interest rates, but with the economy still stagnant and inflation still relatively low, this is the last thing the central bank would be willing to do. The question is given how dependent Japan is on energy imports, Why has their inflation rate remained so low compared to other advanced economies? In August of this year, consumer prices increased 3% compared to 8.3% in the US, 9.1% in the EU, and 9.9% in the UK. Because inflation has been so low for so long in the country, people are not used to prices increasing. If companies did raise prices significantly, consumers would quickly succumb to sticker shock and delay purchases of non essential items. According to data compiled by the investment bank ING, producer prices have increased by more than 10% in 2022, while consumer prices have only increased by 3%. Japanese companies are absorbing higher input prices without passing these on to the consumer. Of course, this is not sustainable in the long run. If producer prices keep rising, eventually companies will be forced to raise prices, otherwise, they would go bankrupt. Secondly, most of the country's natural gas imports are under multi year fixed price contracts. So, prices have not yet increased to a great extent. Eventually, these contracts will expire, and prices will be reset at much higher rates. Today, energy only makes up about 10% of the Japanese consumer price index. After the contracts end, this could easily double. So, while the inflation picture is relatively benign today, we can expect it to get much worse over the coming years. Also, remember that the aging population has had a deflationary effect. As it has decreased the cost of housing and other underutilized infrastructure. However, this benefit to inflation will not last forever. 
After peaking in the mid-1990s, the ratio of working-age people to the overall population has declined dramatically from 69% to 58% today. And this decline will only continue going forward. Retired people don't produce anything by definition, so as the working-age population shrinks, aggregate output will decrease. This will become inflationary because retired people still consume goods long after they stop producing. For the past three decades, the Japanese central bank has wanted to increase inflation to help economic growth. They're finally going to get inflation, but they're not going to get any economic growth. You've been listening to the Wall Street Millennial Podcast. Don't miss a minute wherever you go. Wall Street Millennial, signing out.